This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome to Holocron Histories, Star Wars canon versus legends. We're going to take a deep dive into the lore of the Star Wars universe. Hello and welcome to the Holocron Histories podcast where we talk about Star Wars canon versus legends. I am one of your hosts, Austin, also known as Teacup, also known now as Jedi Master Tay Cup. These are the facts that are happening. Oh my gosh. And I am your other host, Ben of Tamaria. And yeah, we had a fun discussion pre-show. Oh my God, that was funny. Um, Yes, for three... For three million dollars, I would be I would pay three million dollars to be in Star Wars, and I would be Jedi Master Tay Cup. There you have it, everyone. We now know what Austin will do with three million dollars. <laughs> Make sure he three wins. million extra dollars. Extra dollars. So extra dollars. So essentially, we have to wait until the Powerball gets up to you know over a billion, and then win it, and then we can get into Star Wars. Well, yeah, I have to have enough to, like, pay off my debt, my wife's debt, my parents' debt. Yeah, that's why I said and over my... a billion dollars. Yeah. And you'd be good. See, so... <laughs> right. And then if I had an extra $3 million, I would pay that to be in Star Wars. But, yeah, see, if it, now if it was George Lucas' Star Wars, it, I might pay a little more. Okay. But what if it was Dave Filoni's Star Wars and you could just voice a character? Um, mm. eh, $3 nah. million. Okay. $3 million. Alright, that's fair. So, we are here not to talk about what we would do with $3 million, but we are here to talk about Star Wars, particularly we are focused taking a break from our planet's and focusing in on a character, a character that is pretty well loved across the fandom. I would pretty, I would say. Yeah, uh, I would agree with that as well. Uh, this character is very well appreciated, loved, and want everybody wants this character to be canonized so badly, and for more reasons. I don't. Well, I know. I don't. Okay, if they ever do. They will definitely have to dumb him down, power power scale him down from what he was in the books in the in the game. Well, or this is my thing. Or gone with what they've done with the stories so far. They would have to completely change. Oh yeah, they would have to re- almost change everything his character completely. Everything around his character, and I just don't think I want. I want that. That's where I, I, I like. I like the legends character. And I like his story. Um, I know that probably as we get in, we probably won't get into uh, Force Unleashed 2. That will no. probably be the second part. Part um, of it. But I know that is a little more controversial as far as like if people liked that or not. But Yeah, but um, nonetheless, the character we are speaking of is none other than Galen Merrick. Or what most people will know him as, Starkiller, Vader's secret apprentice. So, 
kick things off, we are going to be going over stuff that will happen in for the original Force Unleashed game, as well as some of the comics that happened. So there is spoilers on that game if you have not played it. Now, the game is, you know, well over a decade old. So if you haven't played it yet, what are you doing? It's a great Star Wars game. Go play it. But there's your spoiler warning. So, we have the early years. So, Galen Merrick was a child during the early years of the Galactic Empire in the Great Jedi Purge. The son of Kinto Merrick and Mali Merrick, Galen was born with the extremely powerful connection to the Force. His parents were both members of the Jedi Order. They married in secret during the Clone Wars, a conflict between the Galactic Republic and the Confederacy of Independent Systems, which they continued to participate until Mary became pregnant. So... Right off the bat, so a lot of this, like the early year stuff that we're going to be getting into right here, we do not find about this at all in the games. We find this through comics. And it's interesting to know there was another Jedi in the Jedi Order that secretly got married. But to another Jedi instead of a senator. Yes. So. Uh, There's been a lot that just secretly get married. Yeah. That's true. In Legends, a lot of Jedi secretly get married. Or, or secretly have children. Yeah, that too. Looking at you. Well, you know, is it really fair for Satil? I mean, she kind of comes from <laughs> She a comes line from of... a family that does that. <laughs> yes. It shouldn't be expected from her family line, honestly. Yes. Did she do that before she was Grandmaster? Yes. She, okay. It was before she was Grandmaster because it, um, so this is that little side thing from Starkiller. Um, so Teal had her kid with, you see her, the dad of Theron, um, in a, one of the, uh, trailers for yeah. Suator. He's one of the, he's the bulky Republic soldier that, like, takes Malgus one-on-one and he, like, throws a grenade at him. And that's One that kind of looks like Tamar Morrison. Yes. Yep. So that's the father of Theron, and um, I believe I'm pretty sure. Yeah, we do meet him in game. As I mean, I was and obviously it's a teal. But anyway, back to Starkiller. Uh, as a result, they reluctantly deserted the Order and fled to the Outer Rim territories prior to Order sixty six, a contingency directive that instructed all Republic clone troopers to execute their Jedi officers. The accumulation of the Sith plot to exterminate the ancient rebels while simultaneously transforming the Republic into a dictatorship. The war itself had been orchestrated by the Dark Lord of the Sith, Dark Sidious, and turned the clone army against the Jedi through his public eyes as Supreme Chancellor Palpatine shortly before his ascension as Emperor of the Galaxy. The Merrick family was constantly on the run, moving from planet after in another effort um, at... At an increasing tensions of the war, uh, they ultimately settled on Kashyyyk, sometime shortly before or soon after Order 66. However, their new life was cut short while Mali was killed while protecting Wookiees from Trandoshan mercenaries and slave traders, leaving her husband to raise Galen alone. When Imperial spies learned that the Jedi's fight with the slaves, a large military force was deployed 
to Kashyyyk under the command of emperors, uh, the Emperor's Apprentice, the Sith Lord Darth Vader. During their battle, Vader defeated Kento Merrick in a lightsaber duel and discovered the Jedi Knight's son. Impressed by Galen's potential in the Force, as demonstrated by his reflective use of the telekinesis, uh, Vader abducted uh, the younger Merrick shortly after he killed the boy's father and a squad of stormtroopers in order to keep Galen's existence a secret. Despite his outward loyalty to Palpatine, Vader harbored much hatred towards Sith Master and intended to overthrow him with Merrick as his secret apprentice. As such, he endeavored to teach him the ways of the dark side of the forest and his new disciple whom he first controlled through fear before training Merrick to harness his anger and other base emotions. So, um, this is also where Vader, you know, goes on Kashyyyk. This is the very beginning of Force Unleashed, where you start up the game, and it's like, oh my god, you're playing as Vader. Holy crap, this is awesome. And you're just, like, hacking and slashing literally everything in your path and mowing everyone down with no effort. It's great. Yeah. I remember when you sat in there, and I literally just force pushed Wookiees off of bridge and the bridge moved with the force push. And I was like, this is awesome. This is the greatest thing that has ever existed. Yeah. The ragdoll effects and the, like just the physics in the game alone was mm -hmm. very advanced during the time. And they even in with this game, this is one of the very few games back during this is what, 2007? Mm-hmm. Where, where they used mocap for a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Which is very fairly new technology during the time. So, at least for video games. So, yeah. um, now we get to his part where Galen is training under Vader. So, enclosed on board Vader's incomplete flagship, the Executor, he is given the codename Starkiller... The apprentice repressed all memories of his previous life and spent the next two decades training as, as a Sith under Darth Vader's supervision with the ultimate goal of standing at Vader's side against Palpatine. Darth Vader was not kind was not a kind guardian and his brutal training methods bordered on borderlined on torture. He taught Starkiller how to draw on his hate and rage for power while giving him training uh, in the, only the basics before forcing the apprentice to develop his own methods through sparring matches and brutal tests. Starlight Killer was pro uh, provided with a lightsaber training holodroid proxy who is capable of incredibly in imitating Jedi and programmed to regularly attack Starkiller with an lethal intent to keep him sharp, another brutal training regimen devised by Vader. Despite this, Proxy developed a close friend, uh, relationship with his master, providing the Force Adept with deep compassion to stay sane. Which is all good and everything, because if you're a rage-filled person, you kind of go insane at some point. Yeah. And then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then despite Vader's cruel treatment, some of the worst horrors Starkiller endured were actu uh, actually self-inflicted. On one occasion, Starkiller had Proxy chain him immobile in the dark and deprived him of nourishment until he had successfully assembled a lightsaber through telekinesis. While the exercise has been a failure, Starkiller felt it strengthened him. In meditation, Starkiller took 
to staring at the ignited lightsaber blade, using the red coloration to make himself think of anger and carnage in order to draw on the dark side of the force. However, Starkiller remained endlessly frustrated by his inability to experience visions of the future, and as such, any break from usual routine would surprise him. Starkiller took on the role of Vader's personal assassin and enforcer, dispatching problematic individuals throughout the Imperial military and government with a vicious uh, enthusiasm, Starkiller personally developed into a staunch imperialist, viewing these assassinations as a form of service to the Empire. Yeah, uh, and this is also, like, we started getting a little bit more of this info in Force Unleashed as you're playing along um, after the whole training session and everything. And then, uh, to this end, Starkiller was provided with a custom-designed ship, the Rogue Shadow, an Imperial officer assigned to serve him as his pilot, for although Starkiller was a skilled pilot in his own right, Vader preferred that his apprentice focus on meditation and other exercises while unless the pilot delivered him to his destination. There was an invet- eventually a high turnover for such individuals as they would be either killed in the field or executed by Vader. Yeah, so either they died on the mission or... Vader were just, they upset Vader in some sort of way. He just hacked them off. Even though it was his idea to give Starkiller a pilot. Mm-hmm. And then his first... Classic pa- Vader. Right? <laughs> oh, I don't like you. Yeah, here's a force choke. You're dead. Literally. Any conversation mm-hmm. that man has. Uh, so his first pilot was a door old sergeant who, accordingly to Starkiller, flew the Rogue One like an oil barge. One of his missions uh, with this pilot involved hunting down a treacherous Imperial aid on Malastar, who had a run with gambling debts. With Proxy's help, Starkiller infiltrated the aid's security installation in Port Mixolito and crawled through the ventilation ducts into his target's private chambers. Starkiller then forced choked the aid while... He was working at his desk. The sergeant was later executed for tardiness. Another mission took him to Duro, where the uh, local Imperial uh, Depot had grown overly ambitious. Starkiller developed an unending dislike for all-terrain scout transports during that mission. So he doesn't like ATSTs. No, he does not. Like, at all. And you do get that in the lot in in the game too. Like he, he makes comments it's like, "I don't like these things" or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then when engaging Vader in a sparring match in three BBY, Starkiller expected to be uh, business as usual afterwards. However, it was the end of it. Vader ordered Starkiller to kneel before him, believing that his time has come to an end. Starkiller obeyed and waited for death. Instead, Darth Vader formally knighted Starkiller, officially recognizing him as his first time as his apprentice, something that Starkiller has always believed himself to be. He declared Starkiller's training complete and dispatched him on his first test. The surviving Jedi Master Rob Koda was attacking an peril shipyard above Narshada. In response, Vader ordered uh, Star Killer to kill Coda and to bring the Jedi's lightsaber back is proof of Coda's death. Vader also left Star Killer with orders to leave no witnesses by killing everyone in the shipyard, including the Imperial troops, an order the Imperialist Star Killer found disturbing. 
But not wishing to displease his master, Starkiller was quick to hide his reluctance and voice his complaints, convincing himself that he was just another stepping stone to achieving his Sith destiny. As they approached the rogue shadow, Starkiller awkwardly met with his new pilot, Juno Eclipse. The main reason for Starkiller's surprise was that he never had a female pilot before, and he afterwards became convinced that he was some sort of test from Vader. Hmm. So, there's that. In which we do know, um, obviously, I, I don't know if Vader truly meant Juno to be a test for him or what, but it kind of backfired, in my opinion. I think that initially Vader did end it as a test or a point that Vader could use Juno to manipulate the killer. No, well, that's a fair point. Because, you know, Vader, back when he was Anakin, was manipulated all the time with Senator Amidala. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all the time. She's in danger. He sped to her side every single time. So now we of get... Of course he did. Right. And rightfully so, but, you know, it's not the Jedi way. So now we get to uh, the TIE Fighter construction facility. So departing the Executor for Nar Shaddaa, Starkiller was informed about Rom Kota by proxy. Kota was respected Jedi General during the Clone Wars, but he was a military genius. He considered clone troopers unfit for battle instead of relying on his own militia. When Order 66 was issued, there was no clones in his squad to obey, and Kota was able to disappear. See, Kota was the smart one. Like, he, he, he actually saw through things yeah because you know we hate on con krell so much for his treatments of the clones but he wasn't wrong to distrust the clones no not at all he was just wrong to blame the clones yes absolutely which they actually just announced uh funko just announced a two-pack uh funko pop with prom Cal, uh, Cal and uh, Rex together. And I was uh, like, I don't know how I like this. I don't like it. It's like, I like the Rex, but I don't know if I want prom Cal as his pop figure. <laughs> so, informed by Eclipse via the comm link and the command center that has been stormed by Coda's militia, Starkiller made to his destination with tactical updates from Juno. Starkiller craved carved his way through the facility, all while the warning forces became progressively more alerted by his presence. The militia forces thought he was some kind of shadow trooper, while the stormtroopers were merely thought he was a Jedi. And then within the command center, Starkiller and Kenner Ramkota both were surprised by the, what they saw. Starkiller had thought the Jedi was a soft uh, from a life of privilege and hadn't expected the hardened soldier that Coda was. And Coda was being expecting Darth Vader to come personally, not to send a boy in his stead. And this is, okay, pause here. So we all know the Kratos boy line from the 2018 God of War. But when I hear boy, I literally think Rom Coda because of freaking Force Unleashed. Because all, that's all he called Starkiller. Boy. You know what I hear? We'll get to this probably either at the end of this episode or near the beginning of next. 
all I hear when I think of this that just lives rent free in my head from Rom Coda is reach out with the force and grip that destroyer. That will be next week's episode, but yes. <laughs> oh, that was a great scene too. So, uh, unconcerned, Starkiller drove Coda's own blade into his eyes, blinding him. As Coda stumbled backwards, Starkiller suddenly ex- experienced his own vision, seeing his forgotten father in Coda's place, telling him to run, pulling back. Fearing that Coda was using a mind trick of some sort, he gave Coda the opening he needed to escape. Coda dropped his lightsaber and unleashed a tenelic blast and shattered the viewports of the command center. The drastic pressure change sucked out Coda, who dropped... Uh, spread angled into Narshadah's atmosphere. Starkiller retrieved Coda's lightsaber before himself jumped out of the shadow viewports, land on top of the rogue shadow as it passed underneath. While satisfied the gravely wounded and blinded Coda would no longer be a problem, Starkiller had disappeared with his failure to actually kill the Jedi. Uh, Darth Vader was pleased with Starkiller's performance, but felt that his apprentice remained unfocused and easily distracted, drawing Coda's lightsaber on him to illuminate his point. Illustrate his point. Words. Yeah. Um. So that's like the first what hour? Two hours of the game. First level of the game. First yeah. level. Oh, first level. Because yeah, it because it was all level based back then. Um, mm-hmm. of gameplay and whatnot, but yeah, that was the first level. So I mean, yeah, Star Killer literally carves through this facility like crazy, and it's just fun throwing stormtroopers all over the place and force pushing them all over the place. It's it's great. My favorite, my favorite ability is the lightning bomb. Where you yeah. can lift something up, shock it, and then throw it, and it's in a lightning bomb. Yes. I yeah. would do that with stormtroopers. I would pick up a stormtrooper, charge it with lightning, throw the stormtrooper into a bunch <laughs> of other stormtroopers. That's a good one. Um, My favorite... So, I love using the repulse ability that he has. So, but in the, the... And this is weird. The Wii version of Force Unleashed had an exclusive force power. Um, called I think oh. I think it was called Maelstrom or something like that. Oh, and I didn't know that it um so repulse would like you know you gathered force energy and repulse everything around you like the mail I think it was called Maelstrom I would have to I have to look that up um but you would lather literally gather a um a bunch of energy and enemies swirling around you and you would like just explode with energy. Yeah. I feel like we complained too much about like the console exclusive features like that in the Wii and the fact that like only the Xbox version got the indoor DLC for force unleashed Two. I feel like we complained about that. They just said, Okay, we're gonna go back to more console exclusives. Yeah, and it was and it was Force Maelstrom. It was the ability where it combined the protection bubble, telekinesis, uh, and Force Lightning all in one move. Yeah, that that one was fun. I remember. I think it's only a Wii exclusive. I don't remember it being in any of the other games, but I could be completely wrong. Um, my first playthrough of Force Unleashed was on the Wii, 
surprisingly enough. Uh, and then I played it way later on Xbox. But the Wii version was fun too because they also had the um, the Wii version also had uh, two player dueling, so you can play as Star Killer and other Force wielders and fight each other. Do you remember the um, versus arena from the Revenge of the Sith game? Yes, oh, I love that. Yeah, see the old old Star Wars games had so much fun and so much. It was they were fighting they were fighting Star Wars games and it was great. Yes, and now we don't really get that, which is kind of sad. But at least with people to people, not AI and whatnot. But uh, at mm-hmm. this point, it's a good time to take a quick mid break. All right. It's all good. You can start now. <laughs> okay, I know it mutes me. Mm-hmm. When it does that, but just I'm used to on the other shows that we don't do live. We don't have the we don't have the mid breaks. So that's why I jump in. But anyway, so welcome to the middle of the show where we take time to thank our patrons. Thank you to all of our patrons who come out and support us. And if you want to support us and join us on our patron chats, uh, you can do that by um, going to patreon.com histories and signing up. Uh, we greatly appreciate that. If you can't support us that way, that's fine. Uh, leave us ratings and reviews on Apple or Spotify. Uh, if you do that, leave us five stars and some kind words or a kind comment on Spotify. We will read it out on a future episode of the show. Do we have comments to read? Uh, we do have a Spotify comment. Uh, it is from Ghostwriter on our last episode we had. Asking if we can do a Captain Rex uh, deep dive. Thanks, OG fan. Which yeah, yeah, we'll we'll get there. We'll get to get to Rex at some point. Yes, Rex. We'll do Rex. We'll do all of the people. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, other than that, uh, we do go live with this show, so come check us out live on Tuesdays at eight p.m. Eastern, five p.m. Pacific. You can check us out there and hang out with us um, and comment live as we talk about this and hear our banner. And when I make bad jokes, you can call me out on it in real time. Um, The other thing that you can do is come over to Discord and join one of our Discord servers, all of our Discord servers. Joining none is not an option. Join at least one. Or all three. <laughs> or all three. That's the Robots Radio, the Ben and Friends podcasting server, and the Cups podcasting and more server. You can do that and hang out and check out our other shows, which are a pleth- which we thought were a plethora, but then pretty soon you're gonna we're gonna release an episode where Ben and I will be on together and you'll meet someone who has more than Ben and I combined. Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought we had a lot of shows and Tom has a lot of shows. No. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, he has more than Tom. Mm-hmm. That, that's crazy. Well, Tom cut back too. So. That's true. That's true. But yeah, come find out on all of our shows on the Robots Radio stuff and our discords. It's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. But uh, anything else we should add in the mid-break? No, I think that's all that's going on in the mid-break. Cool. Let's get back into more Starkiller. All right, we're back, and now we have Starkiller's Trial of Skill. So, if you've played the game before, you know where we're going. We are going back to the Jedi Temple. So, in order to develop his skills and focus, Starkiller was ordered to by Darth Vader to go to the Jedi Temple on Coruscant to continue his training. Juno Eclipse landed the rogue shadow just outside the front entrance of the temple where Starkiller disembarked, only to be confronted by the local Imperial garrison who revealed that Emperor Palpatine had placed the Jedi Temple off-limits to the general public. From the corridor he cleared, he eventually made his way to the Jedi Trials Chamber, where inspecting the room, Starkiller experienced a vision of Source, hearing his father's voice warning him that he would need all the skills to survive the upcoming tasks. While puzzling this out, he was suddenly blasted by a sudden red lightning, an imitation force attack from a holographic simicron of Darth Desilus, which is one of the ancient Sith. Uh, he is actually a um, Paran. Paran is that how you say his species name? Hmm. Uh, so he's um, the Grand Inquisitor's species, if anybody's known Rebels and all that. So Darth Desilus was an ancient Pawan Jedi who rebelled against the Jedi Order and assumed the mantle of Sith Lord, leading a violent incursion. His army was ultimately drawn into a trap and destroyed by he was being killed by the Jedi Council of the day. Due to his powers and reputation, the Jedi Order created a holographic simulation modeled after him for the training of the Jedi Padawans during their final trials. Despite the widespread destruction within the temple during ransacking, the simulation remained fully functional along with several others within the temple. And obviously, you know, Starkiller passes the trial skill. And onwards, we get to Raxus Prime. So, as Raxus Prime is in the Tyon Harm. Uh, Hegemony in the Outer Rim, the trip took a considerable length of time and gave Starkiller a chance to refresh and research the objectives. However, he was distracted and frequently asked, had to ask Proxy to repeat the mission details that he had missed while in deep in thought and eventually retreated to the onboard meditation chamber to gather his energies. Settling down as close to the temple as possible, given the treacherous junk pile landscape, Starkiller embarked at the progressed on foot and progressed on foot, while focused entirely on the mission at hand, ignoring all other distractions, updated by Juno of activity at, at a downed corvette near the location, Starkiller assumed that Vader's orders to leave no witnesses still stood and attacked the Rodan salvagers, though he ignored most of the droids controlled by the planetary intelligence known as the Core. And, yeah, I, I did not like this planet. I, I now. I'm not a fan of Raxus Prime when it comes to the game. It was highly annoying. So, did you ever play the original Clone Wars game? It came out for the Xbox. It used to release in a dual pack with Xbox and Tetris World. I don't think I had a chance to play that one. Um, so, you go to Raxus Prime on that one as well. Oh, God. And... It's pretty. It's actually pretty terrifying. Um, it's available like for ten bucks 
on the Xbox store. Um, it's it's like a, a vehicle shooter. So oh, okay. You go around in the like clone style tank a lot. In some other vehicles, mm-hmm. like you fly the LA AT gunship mm-hmm. um, and some other stuff. And then you also, so you play as Mace Windu, Obi-Wan, and Anakin, and they each have different planets or stories that they deal with. Um, but they go after this, like, ancient dark side entity or whatever, like machine or something. But it's set during the Clone Wars. It's really interesting. But yeah, Raxus Prime is on that one, too. Interesting. Uh-huh. I just really hate. Uh, I don't mind the first time we go to Raxus Prime, but the re-return, yeah, is so much worse. Yeah, that's, I mean, let's be honest. Most of the re-returns just it gets worse every time you go back mm-hmm. to the planet, and it's like, oh, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, cautiously ascending to the Junk Temple's foyer, Starkiller was attacked by Kazdin Paratus? Parius? Paratus, or something Paratus. like that, probably. Uh, droid sentries. He made a short work of them being held, uh, being used in duels with a sophisticated droid-like proxy. Partis was an Alina, a small being, but uh, compensated with four-limbed mechanical harness on his back, with the limbs offering him extra height and mobility. Uh, Partis was able to wield his lightsaber pike with deadly skill, and the mannequins of the Jedi Council Masters now activated, revealing themselves to be droids. The Star Killer momentarily dispatched them, dispatched by them. Okay, so this fight. And this planet. It's so interesting because I remember these droids or quote unquote droids come up and you kill them. And Starkiller reminds he's like, they have the force. And like, so Paratus is like taking these droid scraps and binding together with the force. Mm-hmm. It's some interesting stuff. But I remember because this is the first time we really see the lightsaber pipe. Yeah. At least in, like, a major video game. Mm-hmm. That's true. And I would say, I would say the next time we really see a lightsaber pike in, like, major Star Wars stuff would would be not until Sotor. Right. Uh, Which but, is- yeah, this comes in. Like, I really appreciated this because this game made the Royal Guard, like, the Imperial Guards, the Red Guards, so much more cooler, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. The fact that they're little things they carry are lightsabers. I wish that was actual canon, but it's not. No, it's not, sadly. So as as Pietus lay dying, he uh, lamented on his failure before expiring in a brilliant flash of force energy. Starkiller was actually moved by to pity by the emotional display, who quickly repressed it and departed en route back to the ex- Executor Starkiller, devoted some effort towards repairing Pirates' shattered lightsaber pike, so it would be presented as a trophy to Vader, but the unsuccessful and abandoned the effort, instead telekinetically dis- disassembling and reassembling his own lightsaber while in meditation. 
And then we now get to Starkiller. He goes back to the Jedi Temple again for another trial. So we have the Trial of Insight. So entering the Jedi Archives, Starkiller cleared the chamber. And at the moment, however, he saw Juno eclipse at the head of the hall, bent over as if in pain. As Starkiller approached, Juno, quote-unquote, leapt into the air and transformed into Dark uh, Phobos. Which Darth Phobos is another Sith Lord. Um, well before the Clone Wars. So another holographic simulation, Darth Phobos was a powerful Sith Lord who fed off the fears of her enemies and assuming the shape of these horrors through various Force-based illusions. And then with his victory over Darth Phobos, Starkiller had faced his fears and completed his trial of insight. It was then that Darth Vader appeared, speaking via proxy once more, and Darth the Dark Lord congratulated his young apprentice in the for successfully against Phobos and charged Starkiller with hunting down the former Jedi Master Shakti on Felucia. So, one, two things. We'll talk about Shakti in a minute. Uh, but Star Wars is sometimes too on the nose because, like, Phobos is the Greek god of fear. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, Darth Maul is like Lord Bad. Is what his name means, Lord Bad, Lord Fear, uh, Lord Father for Darth Vader. You know, just sometimes Star Wars isn't complicated. Oh God, no. Yeah, I mean, making a a world and universe as expanse that it is. Yeah, they're going to just rip off other things in mythology. <laughs> well, like, and, and they just bring up other things, like even if. Another example is the fact that Vitiate's real name, like his name before he was Vitiate, Vitiate was Tenebrae, which is the Latin word for darkness. Mm-hmm. Yep. What do you do to make th- like villains sound cool? Use Latin. Use Latin <laughs> words for evil things. Yeah. Darth bad. Lord bad. Because, let's be honest, not many people know Latin. <laughs> no. So, now, oh, yeah. um, so with that, we do now go to Felucia. So, Starkiller barely said a word during his trip to Felucia, instead looming at the back of the cockpit with his head raised, only speaking to give orders and avoiding all of Juno's attempts to converse. Upon arrival, Starkiller questioned Juno about the emotional disturbance he felt in her. She confided to him uh, her involvement in the bombing of Kalos and uh, and how it was a consequence of her own actions. What was once a verdant jungle world had become dead and barren. Starkiller had read the reports and assured her that she had to follow her orders to the end. Starkiller was quickly engaged by the Felucian natives and elite entire race of force sensitives who inevitably been trained by Shakti while hiding on the world. He dealt with them quickly and uh, efficiently saving his energy for his ultimate target. And these okay. are these other enemies I despise too. I just really I really hate I hate the concept of being stun locked or like even like block locked. And the Felucians like if you don't use something like Saber Slam or some kind of electric ability to stun them, you like can't get a hit in. Like no. none of your combos will lay on because their guard is just too too much and then they hit you and you're stun locked and it's just 
it's very frustrating. But I remember when the first Felution came out riding the Rancor. Oh yeah. That was awesome. Yeah, that's true. That one that that was cool. So, um while the Felutians fled from him, Starkiller made his way towards the village center, finding a mall of a Sarlacc. The entire town was built around a mega Sarlacc dubbed the Ancient Abyss by the Felutians, and awaiting him there was Shakti. While the Felutians fled from him, Starkiller made his way towards the... Oh, wait, I did that. I made two paragraphs of that. Huh. <laughs> um, so Starkiller quietly left, satisfied that the removal of Shakti's influence... Uh, would allow the dark side to gain a hold of the Felucia and return to life as the normal rhythms. Starkiller reported his mission's success to Vader, who concluded the entire time uh, that the time was right for both them to overthrow the Emperor in a combined effort together. Order returned to the Executor. Starkiller was congratulated by proxy for the immediate completion of his primarily programming. And yeah, he defeats Shakti and... Uh, sends her body down the Sarlacc and essentially a force explosion happens. I just want to pause for a moment. I know this isn't a Shock T episode, but we have four confirmed deaths for Shock T across Legends and Canon. There are two in Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. So there is one where Shock T is killed by Greek. Both are deleted scenes, so none of them made it into the movie. But uh, the first one is she's killed by Grievous, because if you watch the original Clone Wars cartoon, she's captured by Grievous um, at the end of that Clone Wars series. The other one time is she's killed on Anakin's assault. She's the first victim of Anakin's assault on the temple. Um, that's also a deleted scene. In the Bad Batch, it's heavily implied that she's killed on Camino during during Order 66. And then this one. That's... That's a lot. Um, so do they not know what to do with her death? <laughs> It's I not guess hard. not. It's you know, pick I a think, place and I she died. <laughs> we don't see do. her face. We don't see her face, but I think you remember from the first season of the Bad Batch mm. when they like return to Camino after Order sixty six. They like see a Jedi on a stretcher, and there's a lightsaber that's very similar to Shock Shock T's. That's true. And wasn't she was like some sort of wasn't she like a guardian or something like that for Camino or something? She was in charge of clone training. Okay, that's what it was. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, that's probably what it was. Like, that's... If we go and probably look it up, it probably is probably stated somewhere on Twitter or the Star Wars website or something that Shock T probably died on Camino during Order 66. Yes, but we have four confirmed deaths for Shock T. Yep. They just didn't know where she, to, you know, where to kill her. She dies more than Krillin does in Dragon Ball Z. Which you know what? Okay, so I mean Krillin. I don't. Krillin has died three times. Three times. Three times. Um, I don't really count Boo 
because like that was a mass murder so it's not like he was fighting boo and died in battle true so he's killed by frieza and he's killed by tambourine mm -hmm. so technically two third if you count the boo massacre yeah but there's there's your Dragon Ball reference for this episode. <laughs> oh, four if you count GT. Oh, wait, oh, we don't consider that anything. Okay, GT's its own thing, and it's separated from all of other Dragon Ball stuff. <laughs> oh God, that was a mess. Um, anyway, uh, that's all I have for part one for Galen Merrick or Star Killer. Um, I just want to say that, like, we're getting into kind of the good stuff. Um, the real turning point of the story is coming in the next episode. And he, I remember it being introduced to Starkiller, and I was like, this is so cool. Like, that game does a really good job of making you feel powerful. Um, but it also does a good job of, like, letting you play as Vader when you enter and then going to Star Killer lets you feel powerful, but you can immediately feel the difference between playing as Vader versus playing as Star Killer in the measure of like power and the abilities of what you can do. Yeah, you you really sh like the game like right at the get goes like this is how powerful Vader is in universe, and this is Star Killer. It's like Star Killer is very skilled, very powerful in his own right but has nothing against Vader at the get-go at all. That's like their power gap is insane. Yes, it's very, it's very large. Um, but yeah, uh, I like Starkiller. I can't wait to talk about him a little bit next week. Yeah, next week's episode is the is the big turning point of the of the game in his character, mm -hmm. and you really see. And that's another thing I liked about uh, Force Unleashed. You start with a character who is so engrossed as Vader's apprentice in the dark side, and then you see his character develop slowly through the game after each like level, and see him grow as not only as a as a Force wielder but as a person. Um. So I will be honest. I this is one of the only games that I've ever like save scummed, um, and like I didn't want to play through the whole game again and then oh, just to, get to make the dark other, side due to the other ending. Yeah, that's fair. So I like loaded a previous save of yeah, the that, level and did. That's first perfectly like understandable. Right. The game's long. <laughs> But the dark side ending is so unsatisfying. And like just doesn't feel it, it doesn't it feels like not a satisfying end to the character arc we're taking through. I think that it was an afterthought and they said, oh, well, you know, people like this dark side light side choice in Star Wars games. So let's get it. But I really think the developers were like, no, there's not like this is a light side choice game. Yeah. I mean, even then, you compare to, like, so they did novelizations of Force Unleashed, and the novelization, they go a lot more in-depth with, with Starkiller's character and um, his choices and everything, and at the end, it is a lie side choice. There is no dark side, light side ending of the book because it's a book. 
And yeah, I would imagine like the developers of the game just threw that in there, just say, hey, here's a player choice. Let's do something fun. But narratively, it's always going to be light side. And that and that's Star Wars as a whole. It's it's always going to be right. light side. That's just Star Wars as a whole. The only canon they kind of leave up for debate is the Exiles canon, even though that is technically canonically light side hmm. based on the Revan novel. But like even you could take the Revan novel and be like, oh well, you could have gone light side or dark side in right. this point. Well, but, the the Exiles story is also not as like it's important through the story but it's not as their their story isn't as heavy as important as Revan's story no and like your light side and dark side choices don't have an effect on how the game ends correct whereas you know KOTOR 1 your light side or dark side ending is highly the the universe changes as all at a large (laughs) depending on your choice but yeah um I kind of, I wish they kind of would have left the Star Killer story as canon, uh, just because I like the formation of the rebellion around Star Killer. But we'll talk about that next episode. Yep, I agree. Um, and so yeah, that's everything. That it is. All right. Thanks for listening. And may the force be with you. Thank you for listening to Holocron Histories, Star Wars Canon versus Legends. You can find us on the Robots Radio Discord at robotsradio.net. You can also follow us on Twitter at SWHoloHistories and contact us at holocronhistories at gmail.com. Do you love Dragon Age? Have you always wanted to learn more about its vast world and detailed lore? Are you still attached to your hero of Ferelden, even a decade after Dragon Age Origins came out? Or maybe you're a newer fan, still discovering a new tidbit or quest every day. Well, either way, the Dragon Age Lorecast is the podcast for you. I'm Austin, also known as Teacup. And I'm Shelby, also known as SheCup. And come and join us as we embark on a journey to explore and discover all things Dragon Age. We'll discuss all kinds of topics, from Lyrium to the Chantry and the great mysteries of the old gods, and even more that even you Bioware superfans might not know about. So come and listen on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And always remember... Swooping.